previously on See You in Another Life, Brothers. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, Bro, three, four. you've got to tell me. Two. What do the numbers mean? One, two, three, four. One, two, three. Seriously, four. bro, I, one, I used them two, as my Facebook three, password, four. and now everyone one, I care two, about is getting three, these fake four. spam messages one, from me. Two, Three, How am I supposed to make that stop? Three, four, I want some friggin' answers. Two, three, four, one, two, th- three. Wait, you you use those numbers as your your Facebook password? Oh, you shouldn't have done that. That's a terrible password. Well, how how do I make it stop? Do I have to like go talk to some guy in the middle of nowhere or something? No, dude, just just change your password. You're being ridiculous. Now let me get back to trying to remember what comes after four. One, two, three, four. I don't. It, it is it six? No, don't don't tell me. It, you seriously don't remember? Maybe the numbers are cursed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of See You in Another Life Brothers, the Lost Podcast, featuring me and my brother, Andy. Andy, how you doing? I'm good. I'm glad to be here, uh, not in the same room as you, but nope. um, here virtually together to discuss... Um, truly an episode of lost i feel like i've said it um for a lot of the episodes this season that i don't think of them often but this episode has stayed in my memory as one that i just always associate with season one of lost so it's fun to have one that in my mind is kind of a classic uh so all that to say excited to discuss a classic episode of lost today i mean it's the hurley episode how, how can you not just love this episode? Mm-hmm. You think of Lost and you think of season one episodes. Numbers always comes up in the head because it's it's and it's also the numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. I synonymous with Lost four eight fifteen sixteen twenty three and the mega number forty two. Of course, that mega number. Yes, man, the numbers. I. I you know, I, I don't know how long it took me to memorize these numbers. Um, didn't take long, I know, because, mm-hmm. you know, you watch these episodes, you're like, oh, the numbers, they mean something. And you're thinking about, oh, it's 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. And you just, now I uh, I just, you know, I can recite them by heart because they are the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And fans of Lost, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like when you um i feel like the numbers were something that was perfect for um other shows and other things in pop culture to just easily incorporate uh as kind of an homage to lost as this big part of pop culture but Mm -hmm. um i feel like you know people will throw them into random things and um i remember I think uh, I'm trying to remember there there have been other series. Well, Fringe. I'm rewatching Fringe, another kind of great series 
right after the time of Lost from a lot of the same people, but mm-hmm. they incorporated, I remember in one episode, several of the numbers into like a sequence of numbers. And it, it was just kind of clearly done in such a way where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, they're referencing Lost and other shows have done that. Um, and it's just a, it's such a cool part of the series for them to just incorporate Easter eggs in every episode um, not every episode, but throughout the whole thing of, you know, uh, like in this one, there's instances where things happened 16 years ago or mm-hmm. something happened to eight people. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just so it makes it so fun to rewatch and just try and catch every time there's a number mentioned and it's one of the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they really it was a genius idea to do something like that that um they could just fit into so many different things and other people could latch on to and and really just wonder what do the numbers mean echoing hurley from <laughs> from this episode um mm-hmm. yeah it's it's the beginning of a great mystery yeah i think they were pretty smart with how they you know you'd say oh it's just a random random series of numbers you know but i think you know the writers i wonder I'd love to get the behind the scenes on how they chose these numbers uh, because, but because they are some very um, common numbers in mm-hmm. life and things like that. You know, you, you think of the, like the number 23. Um, I mean, Jim Carrey made a whole movie about how that's everywhere. Right. Mm, right. Um, 23, you know, famous number, v- very popular in sports. Number 42 mm-hmm. is Jackie Robinson and baseball, you know, things that uh, there's been, you know, people have talked about how they're all retired New York Yankees numbers. It's just, there's a lot of all, all, all of these numbers are kind of, you know, numbers you kind of associate with different things. And I think they might've done that on purpose mm-hmm. uh, because as you're talking about in the series, you do notice again and again, they keep bringing it back. Like, uh, 40, you know, like, uh, I think it was Kate had like $23,000, um, ba- or that was the price on her head. Right. I think, I think. so. Yeah. 23,000. Um, and there were, there's other things like that throughout. Um, they, I think they just, they were like, we need some numbers that people will start seeing everywhere like they do in the show. Um, and, uh, I think it was pretty smart of them. Um, and kind of a, just, I, I do wonder if there was strategy behind that. Mm-hmm. I bet you're right. Well, and yeah, I've I've heard that that one association. I think a lot of people thought they like cracked it with you know it's retired Yankees numbers or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think I think you're totally right that it's they're numbers that you see often anyway. For some reason, they're numbers that are used a lot. Um, and there's just something really fun. I don't know you know it would yeah it would be totally interesting to hear the writer's perspective of deciding to have some mysterious numbers um be a part of kind of the the larger mythology of lost but um i do think there's just something so fun about the fact that even today if i go to a restaurant and there's fortune cookies and they mm-hmm. have, you know, like lucky numbers on there. I'm always looking to see if I get at least one of the lost numbers uh, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, things like that. It's just like um, such an easy 
thing to be reminded of with with lost um you know the the idea of luck and numbers and uh the association of that and i think i remember reading somewhere that after this episode aired there were a ton of people that began like a wave of people using those numbers in the lottery (laughs) um to try and win and and stuff and Mm -hmm. um i don't know there's just something really cool about the just the effect that this episode and the thing that it started with the idea of the numbers had on pop culture and, and people kind of following the series and trying to figure out, you know, this is a really easy thing to try and figure out uh, theories for what the numbers mean because they're so abstract. So you could come up with whatever reasoning behind, um, you know, what, what is going on with those numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's just one of those really fun aspects of lost yeah smart of the writers they're like how do you make a cult following a cult show you know a show where people are gonna keep coming back to it you put little things like this in there you put you know the numbers you put there's a polar bear you put these memorable little things that make this show unique and it, it it makes it fun like you're saying uh very smart of them to do it um, but it's not just a gimmick, you know, these numbers mm-hmm. are, they have some really interesting, uh, they bring up questions of, as we'll talk about here, curses and questions about f- fate and questions about luck and that sort of thing. Uh, so they, they build it into this character of Hurley, um, really well. Uh, and it, and it just, as I was mentioning to you before we started recording, you were thinking, when you're watching this for the first time going through the series, you're thinking, what would a Hurley flashback episode be like? Mm-hmm. Cause we know we got these, we got Jack and we got Locke and you know, these dramatic characters and then you got fun, good time Hurley. Um, how could they possibly pull off a flashback episode with a guy who's basically just the comic relief and they do it in such an interesting way with numbers and all this that, uh, instantly memorable and another reason why it's a great episode i think Mm -hmm. yeah and and i think to your point with you know like we've seen a couple jack flashback episodes you know we've seen Mm -hmm. several of these characters really their their stories developed already um in really interesting ways um and we haven't seen anything from hurley's backstory at all yet and i love you know i mean just getting into the the episodes and stuff starting with the flashback i love how they begin it with this bombshell of the fact that he won the lottery you know (laughs) like wait what that's who this guy is he his story his origin story is he won the lottery Mm -hmm. um i i love that just kind of they they throw you right into his story with um something that you never expected because he hasn't mentioned it to anyone um you know he's not the he's not the guy who's already made known you know i'm worth 150 million dollars or whatever it was um i just i just love that surprising drop right at the beginning of the episode i love how natural it feels too you're talking this is a yeah this is a great hook it's like oh my gosh you won the lottery but they do so much um, kind of subliminally 
mm. in that scene where you get that you understand who he is, who Hurley is. Um, and it feels natural because you already know Hurley. Of course, he works. It, you you don't know you don't they don't explicitly say it, but he's wearing the uniform. He's got the Mister Clucks logo on his shirt. They never mentioned Mister Clucks in the episode, but they they're building that already. Yeah, they got his name tag on. He's he's at home. He's sitting on the couch watching TV. And then you got his mom, who I want to just say right up top, I love Hurley's mom. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's one it's one of the best casting choices they made in the whole series i think of for you know not main characters but she's just she's perfect mm-hmm. i mean it's hurley's she throughout the whole series you're like she's over she's a little over the top you know mm-hmm. but in a, it just it's but you believe it it's perfect that of course that's hurley's mom um and i just love her throughout the series but you know we get her in the opening you understand immediately their relationship um and you, you you're with this guy uh you're like okay yep it's hurley um this is what we expected and all of a sudden you got the the unexpected thrown at you like you're saying and that's just a great hook you're like you won the lottery what do you know mm-hmm. yep and well one one interesting aspect of that scene is that even like the moment of him seeing the lottery numbers being read almost feels like it wasn't supposed to happen because he's flipping through the channels and stuff and then just arrives right at the time that it's supposed to happen mm-hmm. um and he and he hears them you know reading off the end of the numbers and realizes he won the lottery and that almost plays into the whole subversive you know uh, subverting your expectations of the character because it's almost like he didn't expect well obviously he didn't expect to win the lottery but mm-hmm. um that he's right there with the viewer of like wait a minute what just happened and then yeah. he passes out <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah just i there's something about this episode that's actually just as we're talking about it perfectly represented in that first scene that i love this episode and this episode feels you know, I, I always think of it as it's a Hurley episode, so it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet it's an episode where a ton of horrible stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. But it's fun because Hurley is such an endearing character and somehow does everything in such a relatable way. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like this scene is perfect because he's so he's just a guy on his couch after probably a long day of, of working at a job he probably doesn't like, you know, his his mom is nagging him about not being out and doing more stuff. And, and then suddenly he wins the lottery and does what, you know, most of us think we would probably do. Mm-hmm. He just instantly passes out. Um, and so I just, I think that's a pretty good summary of him uh, in this episode as the guy who, is so relatable and also so endearing um, and makes an episode that is incredibly tragic, still like really fun to watch. Um, I don't know. Just thinking about that. He's, he's just such a good character. Yeah. And I do, I do want to mention another aspect of it. I think you're right about how it, this episode just feels so, feels so comfortable in it because even though everything horrible is happening, it's Hurley. 
but it's also, I think, a key a- aspect of it, and we don't mention him enough, but Michael Giacchino mm. and the Hurley score, yeah. which is so different than any other score on the whole show. It's the dun-dun-dun, dun-dun, and it, it, you know, it, it, it gives mm-hmm. the episode kind of the, the weird, you're like, okay, so this is weird, but it's also playful. Um, and you, so it kind of cues you in like this is this is going to be a little different. You know, we're not going to be dealing with um, like uh, killing a man like we did a couple episodes ago with Sawyer. <laughs> and we're not going to deal with um, Jin having to teach someone a lesson. All these these um, uh, horribly dark things. We're going to be dealing with terrible things, but we're, we're going to be dealing with it in a little more kind of it, it's not, Hurley's not doing bad things bad things are happening to him and he's kind of wondering why. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, it's different. And I like that, that the, the score cues you in already that, okay, this is going to be different, but I'm comfortable with it because it's Hurley and maybe it'll be a little playful along with the darkness. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. He really created a theme that is, lighthearted and mysterious at the same time and it's perfect for for hurley's story and i think also as you're mentioning um yeah hurley we see his situation and and it it feels like it's hurley but it's also you feel for for him um you understand why he'd probably want to play the lottery because as his mother his mother keeps guilting him he's at home he's watching tv on a saturday night he's you know um, gaining weight again, all these things. His mother is heaping this guilt on him. And he's trying to find any way to, you know, kind of get out or, you know, um, do something good, right? And mm. his he decides, I'm going to play the lottery. Um, as many people probably think, you know, they're like, this will be my ticket to something better. And so then he wins it. And then we, as we move on to that next scene where the the, new, the reporters are there, he mentions it at the beginning. He's like, kind of in passing, and I, you can overlook this line, but he says, I put my family through a lot recently. Mm. I, I really like that line because we don't know what it was. Um, I think later in the series, we kind of get some hints at it, obviously, um, mm-hmm. uh, what exactly it was. Um, but it's not important in this episode. What's important is that Hurley kind of feels guilty for you know, how he's affected other people. And so now he says in the, you know, he's talking about his mom and his, his uh, Tito, his grandpa, right. Um, And his brother Mm -hmm. and all this. And he's saying, I'm going to do all these nice things for them. That's what it's, the line is, that's what it's all about for me to do things for the people I care about, Mm -hmm. because I really put my family through a lot recently and maybe this way I can make it up to them. I think that's kind of almost her, the thesis of the flashback where it's like, I want to do something good for other people. That's what, that's what Hurley does. And now I can do it. And I've been given the means to do it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And it makes it, it's, it's all the more tragic yeah. because of that, you know, mm-hmm. because he, the one thing he wants to do is do good for the people around him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as begins in that scene, we begin to see that exactly the opposite is the result of, of his actions, that 
um, the people he wants to do good for are the ones who begin to suffer, which when, when you're setting out to do good for others, you know, isn't that like the worst type of suffering to Mm -hmm. see them go through hardships that you can't do anything about? Um, you know, that's, that's just a, a horrible thing. Um, yeah. And so his, his grandpa passes out at that point and you know it's it's crazy because it's like even that scene at first you're like oh that's like kind of ironically funny he's saying you know like the first thing i'm gonna do is care for this guy and then he passes out you know and it's like oh man that's that's horrible but also kind of played for you know Mm -hmm. the ironic moment that kind of just takes you by surprise um but yeah that's kind of setting the scene for for what the rest of the flashbacks are going to be but yeah yeah it's played it is played for comedy in a very dark way yeah um, with the whole him turning around grandpa Mm -hmm. um and then we get even more of that in the next flashback where he's talking to his mom he's driving the hummer he's Mm -hmm. got his mom there he's bringing her to her new house um talking about how um, grandpa died and then the priest got struck by lightning at the funeral um and then his uh, the brother's fiance left left him for a waitress mm-hmm. just these things that <laughs> the, the the details that are it's funny um it's just brilliant how they keep it keep it light but just weird um mm-hmm. and you're like oh boy this is he's just having I, you know as i'm watching this and as i'm thinking about it i'm like I, i'd love to remember the first time watching this episode and just kind of slowly realizing it what's going on here or maybe if, if i you know as a kid i think you just kind of take it at face value like oh okay like as an adult watching this for the first time what mm-hmm. must it be like to just you know kind of go along with this premise um it's just weird it's a weird Mm -hmm. thing well and it's interesting because this is i don't know you know we were talking before starting to record that um i there's a lot of episodes that we've watched so far where i'm like oh there's before watching it it's like oh there's that's the episode with Jin and son and we learn Mm -hmm. more about their relationship and then watching the episode just being blown away by how much is in there that I didn't notice before and is worthy of just discussing in great detail and all that. And, uh, you know, that's one of the best parts of rewatching lost this Mm -hmm. episode. I think there's just something interesting about the fact that the flashbacks are really kind of straightforward in just Mm -hmm. revealing how crazy things get for Hurley like it's at least the first half of the flashbacks like this one um you know they're suddenly you're realizing oh it's not just that you know um his grandpa died it's that then the funeral was apparently cursed and apparently his brother is cursed too and then Mm -hmm. um as he's bringing his mom to the house that he bought for her obviously then the house is on fire and he gets arrested and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, just realizing how crazy 
everything gets you know it's it's not quite this progression of um realizing these deep things necessarily about the character i mean there's some stuff of that in there but it's really just like revealing more and more just how crazy things got for hurley you know um yeah mm-hmm. yeah we're kind of, it, it gets crazy and we're seeing how hurley copes with you know bad things happening to the people around him and i think it, there is something a little revealing about the kind of the progression of how he you know starts to cope with this like as they're driving in the hummer we have hurley saying uh, like ever since i won the lottery it's like i've had nothing but bad luck like i don't know the money is like you know cursed or something Hmm. he says he, he starts to think this money i've got it's cursed you know that that's what it is this thing that's been dropped upon me um it's it's hurting the ones i love um and he's he's just trying to process that and it's also significant that his mom just completely shuts it down and says that's blasphemy you know we're catholic we don't believe in curses hmm. um he's he's he he has no way of you know He's alone trying to process this. No one's kind of um, humoring him or even no one's speaking to him or giving any credence to what he's thinking, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, the main tragedy of the episode. No one's giving. So Hurley's just everyone's dismissing me. So I'm just I'm alone. That Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the thing that stood out to me in this episode the most in the rewatch was just the idea that um, Hurley is going through this stuff, this this horrible um, tragedy of things happening to people all around him, mm-hmm. and yet no one seems to dignify it by saying, yes, that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, and so that basically means oh it's it's in his head in that case um you know and for someone like hurley that's on top of the the horrible tragedy of things happening to those he loves you know it's an extra level of uh just horror to not you know uh let it seem like it's even real you know for people to say oh that's not even a real thing um that's just a horrible place to be in yep it's isolating him further and further it's isolating him like you go the next scene we see him going to his accountant talking to him about the whole thing but i love how it's revealed that everything that all this bad luck around him is making him more money right it's like yeah, all this happened to you. you they falsely uh, they arrested you under false pretenses. Now you're going to make more money off of that. Your box or your whatever company burned down. Um, all this stuff. It's making you a windfall. You are sitting pretty. Everything good is happening to Hurley. And everything bad is happening to everyone around him. And that's, that's the worst for him. Because I think it's building the guilt, you know, on the... It, what, as he said at the beginning, what it's all about is to do things, good things for people I care about. And mm. he, he can't, he, it's making it impossible for him to do anything good for people he cares about. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And then I love the, in that scene, you know, I mean, he's getting more and more isolated and it's, I feel like it's kind of reflected in the fact that this scene is him talking to his accountant, you know, like not, not a person like that he would be close to, but he's um, talking to this guy telling him, oh yeah, yeah, this is all good. And um, you're making more money now. Um, But the, the reveal in that scene where he suddenly realizes like, maybe it's the numbers. Yeah. Um, I just think that's such a cool reveal. And then as soon as he realizes it, even more bad stuff happens with the guy falling off the roof. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Again, an incredibly dark thing played to humor, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's significant that suddenly he turns to the numbers um, it's, be, you know, before he was putting it on the money, which is something that just was, was given to him. Mm-hmm. Now he's putting it on the numbers, which is something he chose to do. So he's putting the blame is slowly creeping more and more towards him. Now it's him. Now it's me. I'm the mm-hmm. one who caused all this. Um, I like your point too, about the fact that he's talking to his accountant. It starts out, he's talking to his mom in that first scene in the Hummer, then he's talking to his accountant one step removed. It's not even someone who cares about him anymore. Right. And then he's talking to an insane person. <laughs> right. That's the next It's It's it, that's brilliant how they did that where they, it's, you know, he's slowly moving away from, and eventually, you know, he talks to a woman in the middle of nowhere. It's, mm-hmm. it's very symbolic of Hurley slowly just descending into madness or not mad but it's just he's becoming more and more isolated and it's Mm -hmm. it's getting worse and worse for him yep yeah that's really cool and it's also i mean it's true it's like he's descending into from other people's perspective madness Mm -hmm. for sure um i just think that's a really cool fact that like yeah he gets further and further away from people he's close to in each flashback yeah that's that's a cool progression yeah so we get to, uh, yeah, he goes to Santa Rosa to mi- visit good old Lenny. Um, I think we can stop to appreciate the guy on the rickety ladder. Light bulb oh, yes. Scene. <laughs> Why? That, every time I watch that uh, that moment, I'm like, <laughs> that is such a comically rickety ladder. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, and would, the, yeah. again, in such an endearing moment for Hurley, like mm-hmm. you, you're realizing along with him, like, oh no, we're about to see this guy die in a horrible way off of this ladder or something. And just the way Hurley does the right thing and, you know, to look, he does the right thing, but it definitely looks crazy to everyone else around him. Like, yeah, dude, do not just leave the light bulb for another time. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. And it does get him into C. Lenny. So, hey. Yeah. Yeah, it worked. Um, Because <laughs> he, he gets to meet his old friend, the doc, and uh, brings him in. And I, I love I that reveal there before they cut to the commercial break when Hurtley's talking to him and all of a sudden we hear Lenny and finally we hear what he's whispering and it's the numbers. That's, that's chilling. Um, oh, yeah. Very well done. You're like, oh. Oh my God, that's where you heard him. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, this insane man who's repeating these numbers over and over and over again. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that scene gives me goosebumps. You know, as as you approach him, and it just sounds like he's kind of mumbling to himself, and then slowly you hear what he's mumbling is the numbers. Genius! Mm-hmm. I I love that that moment. Yep. And so Hurley's trying to get some friggin' answers, as he put it puts it later, and <laughs> his lines. Um, when he's talking to Lenny, I do think it's interesting where he's saying, I think they did something to me. Mm. That's how he terms it with numbers. I think they turned me into a jinx, bad news to everyone around me. When I tell people I think I'm the co- I'm the cause, they look at me like I'm nuts. They don't believe me. But I know ever since I won the lottery the, with those numbers. Um so that language, that's kind of cutting against what I was thinking before, but at the same time, it, I think it's Hurley wrestling with, you know, he's like, the numbers did something to me. They have power. He's giving them power in his mind. Um, and he's he's making them the cause of his misery. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just kind of see him mulling it over, obsessing over it, and uh, kind of rationalizing it as he goes with those numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's, he's rationalizing it and he's trying to figure it out. And when you step back and look at the scene, it's like, man, this is, he's, he's beginning to descend into a dark place. He's sitting there with this guy who is apparently just repeating these numbers into oblivion, mm-hmm. you know, trying to reason with him yeah. about what's going on in his life, you know, um, I mean, obviously, it's just kind of a dark circumstance and scene. And yeah, I, I love as he's kind of reasoning through it, though, once he says, you know, because I I used the number, I forget the exact line, but I I used the numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. I won the lottery with the numbers. The The second that he says that and then Leonard like it's just it stops him in his tracks and he begins to actually speak and say like he you use the numbers you shouldn't have done that that is just like bone chilling that (laughs) that moment like you open the box you shouldn't have you know and he's freaking out and then the the security comes for him and stuff like that scene is so perfectly done to just reveal to you like why would why would Hurley, you know, go after these numbers all the way to Australia? Well, obviously, because of how insane things get here um, and, you know, just how much it seems like there is really something horrible happening with these numbers. If apparently they made this guy insane enough to be in this state um, yeah. and and apparently they're beginning to do that with Hurley, too um Mm -hmm. yeah just such a such a great dark dark scene (laughs) yeah and i think it's significant that lenny is now heaping guilt onto hurley yeah um, what he says you shouldn't have done that um he's he's saying it's your fault why would you do that Um, Mm -hmm. making hurley feel worse about you know all these things happening to other people so hurley went to leonard to try to ease his you know, to try to find answers, right? Um, mm-hmm. To get some some clarity, but all he gets instead is just more um, of a weight on his own conscience. Um, 
and then yeah his line you open the box um is is fascinating uh, i think I, i'm like what is it? Well, you open the box mean maybe it's pandora's box you mm-hmm. opened chaos um it could could be a reading of it or maybe it's just nothing cuz he's insane but it's <laughs> yeah you open the box you've unleashed all this chaos on the ones you love by doing this hurley how could you do that um and then he gives Hurley in the next line, he says, you got to get away from those numbers. You got to get far, far away, mm. which is an impossible task. He gives them. Here's the, here's the solution. Get away from the numbers. <laughs> um, you're never going to get away from numbers is the thing. Numbers are everywhere. Numbers are on your clock. Um, I think that's fun. It's, he goes to to Lenny for maybe a solution and Lenny gives him a solution, but the solution is impossible. You've got to get away mm-hmm. from the numbers. Um, Cause as Hurley finds out later in the episode, he goes to a deserted Island or not a deserted, but a, a Island in the middle of the ocean and he still finds the numbers. Right. Uh, which will drive you mad. Um, as he finds out in the next scene with poor Sam Toomey's wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, this this scene. Um, whenever I think of this scene, I always think of the line, "It's us head on," um, <laughs> which I'd never understood. I couldn't. I didn't understand what she was saying f- for like the first five or six times I watched this episode, <laughs> and I finally realized, "Oh, hits us head on." Yep, it's <laughs> a very thick accent. Very th- thick Australian accent, but. Um, yeah, we get Hurley going out into the middle of nowhere to meet Sam Toomey's wife. Um, and I think uh, it's it's a very revealing... What, when she talks about Sam and talks about everything that happened to him, I love it because it's, it's making us as the audience kind of think... Because at this point, you know, you, you could think Hurley is, you know, he's just kind of off base it's just numbers it's just coincidence even though it's starting to seem less and less but now we have sam Toomey, and the same exact thing happened to him right mm-hmm. and now we're like maybe there is something to these numbers we're thinking along with hurley because you know he you he heard the numbers used them to play the lottery used them to win the jelly bean thing and then immediately his wife he gets hit by a truck and his wife loses his leg but nothing mm-hmm. happens to him, just like nothing bad really is happening to Hurley. Hurley's doing fine. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, is this co- this is too too much to be a coincidence? Maybe this is there's something real to this. And for Hurley to go all the way to the middle of nowhere and to you know suddenly seem to get in this situation where it sounds like oh. If, of course. So it's, it happened exactly to someone else the exact same way. This lady can at least empathize with my mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. And then for her to say, like, wait, you you believe in the curse too? Like, oh, there's, you know, like that's that's completely bonkers. Like, if you're saying if you hadn't won, you know, the jelly bean guessing game, then I'd still have my leg and all of that. Um, and I I love that kind of twist um 
it's heartbreaking for Hurley, but it's kind of a cool thing that even given, you know, kind of the same uh, circumstances, these two people ended up at different conclusions, which is enough to continue to drive Hurley crazy. Like as it would, (laughs) I would think anyone um, in that situation. Um, Yeah. The, the one thing that I kept thinking about with this scene, which is probably not even a question that, uh, you know, needs to be asked of it, but I just kept thinking about the fact that um, for Sam Toomey, he used the numbers, you know, I've always, uh, with with Hurley using the numbers and the way Leonard describes it, um, it's almost like because he used the numbers then that caused the lottery to have those numbers be the winning numbers you know it's it's like cause and effect if you use the numbers then you will win Mm -hmm. but the interesting thing about the the jelly bean thing is that those numbers were already the determined answer always yeah and so it just needed someone to get the correct answer um and so it it almost gets to you know one of the larger i guess themes of the whole series of fate or free will or Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know like are your choices um can you actually make your own choices or is everything determined by some external force of fate you know like it for hurley it apparently it seems like if he played the numbers then those numbers would appear but for sam toomey the numbers were waiting for someone to just use them and i don't know it just was kind of an interesting like those are kind of two different circumstances and kind of almost lend themselves to the two different approaches of you know is is fate a determining thing for all of these characters you know like they're whatever happens to them that they were meant to be on the island or did they actually have free will in in what happens to them uh once they're on the island and everything else so i don't know that was just where my mind was going in that scene and i just thought that was kind of an interesting part of hurley's whole uh kind of uh mystery in this episode yeah it's it's that's i think you're dead on with the numbers are sort of this, I mean, as we go throughout the series, numbers there again and again, eventually we find out they have some major significance way down the line, mm-hmm. um, where it's almost like this hand of fate, um, this hand of, you know, destiny, um, that's just kind of guiding pe- Hurley along. Like these numbers, like with Sam Toomey, the numbers were there, he used them. Um, and it's what it's almost symbolizes or it's like these numbers as Hurley gives them the power. They're like, this is the power of fate or the power of the invisible hand. And Hurley represents, you know, a guy who's just, he wants to have agency in the midst of that. He wants to, he wants so badly just to will the good of others. Um, he wants, he just wants to do that. You see him doing that in his flashback. You see him doing that on the island. Like last week, we saw him trying to go to Jin with the fishing poles. 
mm. and just bring him out of this this um, path he's on. But he can't do that. And it's Hurley. We see Hurley's response, and it's heartbreaking because w- I think we're all Hurley, right? Where we're, we're just in the midst of all of it, and we're trying to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just... And so what Hurley is doing is he he's trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, and we could talk about the on-island stuff um, next in a minute where he's really, I think that's what the, the this whole uh, plot of the on-island thing is about. Um, but he just can't do it. And it's frustrating when he comes up against um, Sam Toomey's wife who says, you make your own luck, Mr. Reyes. Don't blame it on the numbers. You're looking for an excuse that doesn't exist. Um, he wants there to be something he can do. But she's saying, no, you make your own luck. You, you just got to keep going with life. He can't accept that. I can only do what I can do. He wants to do more, I think is what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. But he just can't. Yep. Well, um, I think we've about covered this flashback. I think it's um, might be time to take a little bit of a break here. Yeah, we're overdue. Um, (laughs) So why don't we take a break? And then how about we talk about uh, all this crazy on-island stuff afterwards? All right. Yeah. All righty then. We shall return on See You and Another Life Brothers after this. Welcome back to See You and Another Life Brothers. Um, before the break, we were talking about oh, the bad luck of Hurley <laughs> and how it just breaks your little heart, don't it? Mm. Oh, Hurley. Uh, but now, how about we talk about the on-island stuff? Maybe it'll get better for Hurley. Um, and now that uh, he's been through a plane crash and survived and uh, has a lot of new island friends, and hopefully we'll get somewhere. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> oh boy oh boy so on the island we have uh good old michael and jen working on the old raft and uh, i like that opening scene with uh jen trying to get him to tighten the bamboo things and hurley thinks he wants him to make a snowball oh hurley <laughs> it is kind of a funny moment because you're like it seems kind of obvious what he wants him to do, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. That is early. He's lovable. <laughs> um, so they're trying to do that, and then good old Jack comes along, and we find out that, you know, it would be great if we go out on the ocean. Maybe we, if we had, like, something to, you know, transmit a signal or something, like, but we need, like, a battery. And I like Jack's response when he... when. <laughs> Michael's saying, we need a battery. And Jack's like, okay, another thing. All right. Well, I'll talk to Saeed because he's the professor. (laughs) Exactly. Maybe maybe we can get something, but you can just, Jack's, Jack's starting to get a little, you think he's, he feels a little bit burnt. A little, he's just, there's twinges in this episode where I was, yeah, I was about to say, there's a couple moments where, where you're like, oh, he's, he's starting to simmer a little bit. Yeah. Jack flashback episode can't be far behind. We're, we're, <laughs> we'll get there. Um, but so it's Hurley who has the bright idea about the 
does the French chick have batteries? Um, and I think this moment when Hurley decide Hurley's like, "Hey, we could get the batteries from the French chick." I, I at first I'm thinking, why would Hurley? You know, he goes along with Jack to talk to Saeed and everything. Why is Hurley going along with this, other than the fact that it's his episode? <laughs> right. But it's like, I think it, it's it's Hurley trying to help people. I think that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the key there. He wants, you know, he wants to help Michael. He wants to help Jin. He wants, they, they need the battery. So why don't we do this for them? And I think it's also the significance of that as well is the fact that you know, Hurley wants to help people on the island. And it it got me thinking, why is Hurley trying to help people so often on the island when he clearly knows that he's bad and he's got this bad luck, right? Mm. And then I, I got to thinking, oh, it's because he hasn't noticed the numbers in a long time, right? Mm. Maybe they're kind of out of his head uh, because, you know, he's been he's been trying to help people and he hasn't been worrying about the bad luck so much until finally, I think, Saeed hands him the maps and everything, and he sees the numbers, and I think that just flips a switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And also because, you know, I mean, like like we were just seeing in the flashbacks, Leonard says, you know, you got to get far away from the numbers. And so if, if he hasn't, if he's on a... If he's on an island out in the middle of nowhere and then the numbers haven't showed up in a while, you know, it's like, well, maybe things are fine. And then to see them written six times or whatever on, on that sheet of paper. Um, yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna elicit a response for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And so Hurley sees these numbers and I think it, then he, of course, wake Saeed up at three in the morning afterwards. <laughs> and I think it's fascinating to see his motivation shift, right? He was in it for the battery, but now he's in it to figure out what these numbers mean. You could, it, it, I don't think they explicitly, you know, put that in there anywhere, but you can tell that's what her, that Hurley's not going after a battery anymore. Mm-hmm. He's going after trying to get some friggin' answers. Um, and poor Saeed gets wake, woken up by a big fat guy at in the middle of the night. <laughs> that, that can't, that's gotta be disturbing. Just, and I love, I, I mean, it actually is kind of genius the way he is able to get the, the maps from Saeed and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's funny. The tactic that he uses is to make sure he asks him some questions and just kind of sits there and, it's like so uh these maps you got here you know <laughs> it's like he he's really playing on the fact that no one would suspect hurley of doing anything you know that that would be kind of deceptive um he's he's able to just use that to his advantage pretty pretty easily um which is just kind of fun yeah for sure and then we get the scene with him and charlie uh when he's filling up all those water bottles I think the the significant line when Charlie's like, "Hey, what you doing?" and Hurley says, "Dude, I could really use some alone time right now." Mm. That's not the Hurley we know at all, right? Right. 
because every scene so far in the series, it's Hurley going up to someone. It's Hurley. We haven't seen Hurley get alone time at all, I don't think. Right. Mm-hmm. He's been with a character basically every scene in the series. He's helping someone. He's doing something for someone. Um, but now he wants some alone time. Um, and uh, Charlie's obviously kind of weirded out by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I think, you know, obviously, like this is another scene that clearly shows, yeah, his his motivations have changed, like you were saying. Um, now he's going after the numbers because if not, you know, he it would be easy to just say to Charlie, like, hey, I got the maps. You know, if you want to come with me, I'm going to go <laughs> like figure out how we can get this battery. Or obviously, you know, he would go to Jack and tell him. Mm-hmm. Um but keeping it a secret and just making clear I need some alone time. He's, he's after the numbers and he's doing what he did, like pointing out, it it makes a lot of sense to point out that he's going off on his own Mm -hmm. is mirroring exactly the off Island, um, the flashbacks and everything that the, as he pursues the numbers, he gets farther away from, from the people he cares about. Yeah. And he's doing it on purpose because he doesn't want them. He knows nothing's going to happen to me. They're all in danger if they come along with me. So it's mm. just got to be me, me alone. Um, and so he decides that he, he, he goes off on his own to uh, finds the wire and the beach. And then we get the scene where he's on the pressure trigger. And of course now Saeed and Jack and, and Charlie have gone after him. Um, and I like, uh, we also see a different side of Hurley in this scene where, you know, Jack's like, okay, Hurley, hold still. We're going to, we're going to figure something out for you. Um, we're going to help you. And Hurley's not listening to anything they're saying. You know, he's saying, I'm just going to drop the wire and then I can jump. I'm spry. Um, and he's just not he's he's not listening to people uh, i think is another symptom of it he's he's isolating himself and he's not he's like i know the best thing right now because i'm the only one who understands what's going on mm. with these numbers so yeah mm-hmm. it's a fascinating side effect of it yep yeah and i mean part of it i wonder if there's any any part of him also thinking this is a dangerous situation uh that I and three people I care about are in maybe I just need to handle it before they get involved in any way because I don't want to see one of them get horribly hurt by that thing you know sure um I I hadn't really thought of that before because I feel like I think he it feels kind of clear that he's just on a mission that he doesn't he doesn't want to involve anyone else in yep and that that seems to be the motivating factor but I wonder if there's a little part of him that's also like they can't get involved with this cuz I I don't want <laughs> I don't want to see anyone get hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. But and he also doesn't want to tell them about the numbers. Right. Uh, yeah, as they they ask him what's going on. Jack asks him what's going on. He's like nothing, just here for the battery. That's it. Uh let's just get going. Um he, he can't t- as he finds out later when he tries to tell Charlie, I can't tell them. Uh, cause everyone just thinks I'm crazy. So it's another side effect of the numbers. I can't, there's nothing I can do. I just need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
And then after that, they keep going. Saeed begrudgingly keeps going. <laughs> um, and they come to that rope bridge. Uh, and this scene is interesting. I, I This scene feels like it might have been like an oversight on the part of the writers. Mm. Um, and a little bit weird. Because Hurley decides, yeah, I'm going to go across the bridge. Which makes sense. He's going to go across the bridge. Go ahead of them. Um. And wouldn't you think, Hurley, I'm going to go across the bridge and then I'm going to cut this bridge down or something, right? Right. Or I, and that, But he goes across the bridge and then Charlie says, if he can do it, and he starts going, you're like, wouldn't Hurley say, no, Charlie, don't come. He doesn't, doesn't say anything like that. I've always thought that it seems like a little bit just, I mean, I know they needed to get Charlie on the other side somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only way to do it. But it seems like it's out of character there. Uh, it's just always the problem I've had with this episode a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The only issue, because it's a great episode other than that. Yeah, I agree. I had never thought about it until this watch. Mm-hmm. But then watching it, I was just like, like, oh, man, I totally forgot about this whole bridge thing. And then suddenly as it was playing out, I was like, this doesn't make a lot of sense, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, it does. it does just feel kind of like one of those scenes where you know as much as 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 great as the writers of lost are this is one of those moments where you're like oh i just i think i see that they just needed these characters to separate into two groups (laughs) you know um which is fine you know i mean you can that happens all the time and in shows and stuff but it is just kind of funny to be like wouldn't wouldn't this have played out differently logically but eh, whatever i mean it does give us that great moment where (laughs) <laughs> after they get across and her, Charlie almost dies. And then Jack says, okay, you two stay right there and we're going to come around and we're going to find you. <laughs> Jack feels the most like a mom in the, the whole yeah. show. <laughs> you two stay right there. And Hurley says, nah, screw that. We're going to go. <laughs> Charlie berates him. You're acting like a bloody lunatic. Um, <laughs> that's a great moment. Uh, yeah. I just want to know what's going through Saeed's head at that moment. Just like, I didn't want to do this. I could be, I could be back at the beach with Shannon right now. Who cares about me? But with these, <laughs> these ridiculous people, these freaking bozos are just yelling at each other. <laughs> That's totally what he's thinking. These freaking bozos. That sounds like Saeed, right? Yep, totally. I, I, I went like a, like a sub, like a deleted scenes where it's it's the the inner monologue of saeed and he sounds like a like a new york city cab driver ah, <laughs> yeah. these freaking bozos i <laughs> just a completely different voice from one yeah. we would associate with him <laughs> that's how saeed thinks <laughs> but uh so they do get them separated and then we get the scene with charlie and him walking through the jungle and charlie's just mystified as all as we all would be suddenly as he says you know happy go lucky good time hurley has turned into colonel bloody kurtz mm. um it doesn't make any sense it's and it, as he puts it's not you uh it's a great line just mm. thrown in there it is not you hurley what are you doing these and you're giving these numbers power they're turning you into something you're not um, mm. and uh Hurley comes back at him with, I'm not crazy. 
It's an interesting line. It's like that's Hurley. That's one of Hurley's main catchphrases. It seems like uh, as we go throughout the series. But he says, "I'm not crazy," and he starts to say, "I've got my reasons for everything." Um, in Hurley's mind, he is being very logical with all of this, um, and of course, he's it. it there is. If if you give the numbers credit, there is logic to it. If you don't, if you think he's just it's all coincidence, then he's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. That's a great debate. It's kind of it depends on how you interpret this whole thing. He's really crazy or not, right? Yeah, and the the fact that yeah, it's like these two friends basically. You know, I mean these these two who've who've bonded on the island. I love what you were pointing out that Charlie is like, this isn't you. And I've always thought that Hurley's line of saying like, I'm not crazy feels like, you know, Charlie wasn't saying that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what Hurley was hearing. And I feel like that's an indication of the fact that of what the, what the true issue um, that this episode is dealing with to me um is which is that hurley um is going through something that uh is not um legitimized by anyone else's perspective like no one else sees what he's going through and affirms it Mm -hmm. and um and part of that you know obviously with everyone on the island is that he doesn't tell them um what's happening um, but it's the same thing that happened to him off the island when no one would believe him. Um, so he's he's not even telling people anymore of, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and for him to, you know, not tell anyone and then for Charlie to say, like, oh, you're you're, you know, going off the deep end, you know, and then him to just be like, I'm not crazy. It's just clear that he's going through he's he's re-experiencing um the same uh losses he felt off the island now that the numbers have been reintroduced um where he's at now Mm -hmm. and it's it's like the this is the way i I think of this it's like the ultimate the ultimate hell Mm -hmm. for someone who wants to as Hurley puts it back at the beginning of the episode, do good things for other people or will the good of others, that sort of thing. The way he, the way Hurley thinks about this is that he's trying to get some answers about these numbers because they're hurting the ones he loves. He's one, he's trying to do something good for the people by figuring out these numbers, maybe cracking the code and then maybe they can fix everything. This is his way of trying to do good things for other people. Mm-hmm. And no one is is legitimizing it. No one is giving it, you know, it's like, I'm trying to do nice things for you. And they're like, Hurley, you're being ridiculous. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I want to do good things for you. This is the only way I can figure it out because these numbers have such power. And no matter what I do, bad things are going to happen to you. Um, it's Hurley coming up against that wall. It'd be one. It'd be one thing if, you know, bad things were happening to people and people were like, oh yeah, Hurley, you're trying your best, but these numbers are just horrible. They're not even giving them that. They're just like, there's not even numbers. The numbers don't mean anything. Mm. And Hurley can't 
really can't deal with that because he's got to have some way to care for people, even in the, the senselessness of seeming how these numbers are harming everyone he loves. Mm. And so we get finally, after a lot of gunfire, <laughs> uh, we get the showdown of the century in one corner. <laughs> Mr. Hugo Reyes. Is he crazy or not? We don't know. And on the other corner, Danielle Russo. Is she crazy? Yep. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And so once again, Hurley finds himself face to face with another person who might not be all mentally there. Uh, we had Lenny, and now we have Russo. Um, and she's the only one he can turn to to try to get anything about these numbers and so he says i want to know what do these numbers mean and even rousseau says i don't know and then i love this moment where hurley just finally comes unglued and says you know what i i he he describes himself so perfectly where he says you know i go along with everything I've gone along with this whole thing, this all this ridiculous stuff. I go along with it because I'm good time Hurley. I'm Hurley. I need to keep people sane. I build a golf course to try to help people, you know, help them deal with this horror, all these horrors. I do it all. But when I finally come up against my ultimate foe again, these numbers, I want some friggin' answers. It's Hurley, like, <laughs> screaming at the heavens, you... You know, this has got to stop. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this once and for all. Uh, it's a great moment. It's his sort of. You see how much Hurley cares in that moment, um, and it's it's funny, obviously too, because I want some friggin' answers. It's that great balance of being funny and also just being really kind of cathartic. Mm -hmm. Well, and yeah, and his <laughs> description of the, you know the circumstances they've gone through and he's like there there's a monster or something in the jungle i don't know maybe it's a pissed off giraffe yeah. you know the uh, it's perfect uh because it's funny and endearing but you're also seeing him be you know at the end of his rope and uh yeah it's just perfect that finally there's a character who just says what you know the viewer has been wondering <laughs> for a lot of the series so far and we'll continue to wonder for the next few mm -hmm. seasons i want some friggin answers you know um and to the fact that he's asking a person who we would think you know is actually pretty likely to have some answers um at least some answer um for her to say no i i don't know um is just I love it. I love the fact that in this episode, it's almost like we're primed to throughout the whole thing be like, oh, we're going to we're going to discover some crazy mystery, you know, like some are we going to figure out what these numbers mean? Like there's something on the island that it, you know, uh, explains it and for it to just be a simple no, we we don't know those numbers were being broadcast. Before long before you were here, you know, um, and then for this scene to basically be the actual, um, 
like we, we've been distracted by the question of the numbers and then the actual answer to what Hurley needs is her saying, mm-hmm. no, I think you must be right. Like the, the numbers uh, truly are cursed, you know, like they, they really must have brought me here and brought you here, you know, that whole thing of like the, the numbers actually must be a real dark for like there is some dark force behind them and for him to just hear someone else affirm oh what you're going through there must be something real there is clearly the thing that he actually needed when he when he was just desperately wanting answers what he needed was for someone to be there with him to acknowledge like oh that you've been going through something real um which is just a really cool thing for this episode i think especially um this episode benefits from a rewatch uh when you've seen the whole series because it's like you know it obviously like we love the mystery of what what do the numbers mean how will they be be revealed throughout the series and stuff and and i love that whole part of the the series obviously that's part of the fun of lost but i love in this episode the fact that that feels like the central question, but then when you peel back the layers, you see, oh, Hurley mm-hmm. just really kind of just needed someone to say, you're not crazy. You know, it, no. you're actually, what you're going through is real, um, which is just a, a powerful thing to to bring him to in this. Hurley, you know, we can go into what do the numbers mean and everything and all that. At the core of this episode, it's Hurley reaching out for connection. Um, he finally finds it in the most unexpected place. But I think the tragedy of this episode, of course, is that he finds it in Rousseau. Rousseau is the one that gives him credence, that uh, gives the credence to his idea, his thing that these numbers are cursed. But the reason she gives for it is is fascinating. She says, the numbers are what brought me here. As it appears, they brought you too. Um, since that time, I've lost everything, everyone I mm. cared about. So yes, I suppose you're right. They are cursed. And in that, mm. I think that kind of sums up one of the biggest things about the show, one of the biggest debates about the show. We see it in Jack and Locke later debating about, is this a good place? Is the island good? You know, this island where Locke says, this is a place where miracles happen. Um, and Jack says, no, this is, we need to get off of this island. Um, Rousseau, Hurley comes to a person, Rousseau, who has a very bitter view of this island um, because she thinks it brought me here and I lost everything. I lost everything because she killed her team, by the yeah. way. Semantics, you know. <laughs> Which is, so that's a, that's a big point. It's yeah. Not, it's like... <laughs> You could say, oh, I had nothing. To, I lost my team. This island robbed me of my... Did the island rob you of your team? Or did you rob you of your team? <laughs> um, you can you know, go back and forth with that. But he, he comes up to a perspective that says this island is bad. Um, and that's the connection he finds. That's a very bitter perspective to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... I think, you know... Yeah, this episode ends with 
it doesn't end it doesn't have a happy ending mm-hmm. to me even though hurley has that moment with rousseau because you know he has it with her and you know he does get the battery i think it's significant that connection is what got him the battery mm. but he he i think he connects with the wrong person mm. and that if he if he connected with someone you know who had the perspective like yeah a lot of bad things brought you here but they still brought you here and there's still hope i think that's a lot more of a a perspective that's might be more of a lock perspective mm. um than you know what we get with rousseau which is like no it's just all a curse the numbers are cursed you're just cursed and hurley gets that agreement but it's not the agreement that is going to heal him in any way you get what i'm saying there i that's just kind of what i'm mm-hmm. no that makes sense no and it's it's interesting because yeah it, this episode I love I love the moment with Rousseau and what it represents, you know, in the context in the context of the episode. But I am always bummed by the end of this episode. Yes. Obviously, like with where it leaves Hurley and Charlie. Um, the fact that Charlie, you know, as he says, it's like I, I bared my soul, you know, <laughs> telling him that he was a drug addict um and trying to you know even help hurley to see you know like uh the the bad luck you're thinking of you know bad things just happen mm-hmm. um he, he was trying to help him yeah and then for hurley to be just you know misunderstood like they're it's almost like they're just talking past each other in that scene yeah. um it's just a it's a tragic ending for an episode especially about um a tragic character who just wants to help other people to end up you know being isolated from someone who is a friend of his you know that mm-hmm. they've developed a friendship on this island in in the midst of the darkness of of it you know um yeah it's i think you're i think you're totally right with with that that there is a an aspect of this where Hurley bonded with the wrong person, you know, um, in the fact that like he, he could have been growing closer to this guy who it actually kind of matters if he does, you know, because he, mm-hmm. he has a relationship with him already established. Um, and for those two to grow apart in the midst of this uh, is obviously just another, another tragic loss for Charlie or for Hurley, uh, with with relationships but the fact that the the numbers gave hurley this thing that i think a lot of people in this world would think that's going to solve all your problems that's not a curse you got all this money now (laughs) you're set you can live in comfort and for hurley to you know charlie says this is my deep dark secret it's something i've been doing it's an addiction Um, that's clear how that's i've been harming myself Hurley's great deep dark secret is something that's not harming him at all. It is harming him, but not in the way in any way that people might understand. Um, and that's that's how he's been disconnected from people. It's it's just such a 
such a trap <laughs> that yeah. Hurley has fallen into where, you know, he's gotten this all this money and now he can't connect with anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing he's always wanted to do. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a tough ending for poor old Hurley. Mm-hmm. I think the, yeah, it's it's just upsetting one one thing that I find so interesting about it, you know, and we're already talking about it a little bit, but mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, Charlie says, like, I just told you my deepest, darkest se- secret, thought you might want to reciprocate. And Hurley says, you know, the thing that he hasn't told anyone else, you know, and so in his mind, like, it, it, it sounds weird that he admits, you know, that he's worth this amount of money. Mm-hmm. um even to the viewer you know like because it's like oh well you know maybe give a little bit more context or something you know so that charlie doesn't misunderstand what you're what you're admitting to or whatever but um but to him that's the thing you know that the numbers got him this money and now he doesn't even want to acknowledge it so for him to acknowledge it with charlie is actually him bearing his soul in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, like the way he says that line in the episode, you know, I'm worth back home. I'm worth $150 million, whatever it is. Um, It's, it's not like he's proud of it. It's not like, like, wow, this is like, can you believe this or anything? It's like, he's saying, man, my deep, dark secret is blank, you know? But obviously to Charlie's ears, it really doesn't sound like that, mm-hmm. um, which is just just an interesting aspect of this that to consider that the thing that Hurley uses to bear his soul is the money that he's worth, because that's something that is just so um, dark for him, a source of such sadness for him, um, mm-hmm. the fact that he won the lottery Um set off this chain of events in his life that is is just uh a tragedy but yep hurley's stuck but i think it i think uh it's gonna be a lot of fun to keep talking about his episodes as we go here because mm-hmm. hurley's character arc and his whole thing is such a hopeful such a, a kind of cathartic as i'm thinking about different episodes down the line mm. it's gonna be fun but numbers it's a tough intro for him, but it gets better, Hurley. It mm-hmm. gets better. It's a it's a great beginning. It's it's obviously very dark, but uh but kind of a good good way to throw us into the deep end of this guy won the lottery with some cursed numbers. <laughs> yeah, so I think that about sums up our good pal Hugo. Um I know uh there is one other storyline in this app. Um why don't we you know, want to just dive in, talk about her, talk about uh, Locke and Claire? Yeah, that's really about the only other thing. Why don't we yeah. just? I think we should touch on them before we close out here. Um, mm-hmm. I do find it interesting that this this uh, storyline is the only other one in this episode, and I was kind of trying to think how this relates to to what her, what's going on with Hurley. I don't know if it really does. Um, mm-hmm. With what Locke's got going on with Claire, um, I think it's just a sweet, sweet little thing they put in here. 
and a significant one um, in that John Locke. So I take notes on these episodes, a little background about this. Um, and when I was taking notes about this episode, this episode back a while ago, um, my note was John Locke is a sweetheart. <laughs> He's just a little sweetheart. I mean, come on. <laughs> how can you? How can, I, we, we talk a lot about Locke on this show about how kind of conflicted it is and how he's, he's this mystery. But right here we, we get Locke just being so good. Um, going to take care of Claire, Claire, who poor Claire is just kind of sitting on the beach alone. Cause Charlie's off doing something. Um, got nothing to do. And he comes and instead of, uh, doing what probably most people do around her, as we've seen in past episodes, where they're kind of just kind of standoffish because she's the weird pregnant girl who is this time bomb of responsibility, and she also got kidnapped by the others, which is weird enough. <laughs> Locke goes up to her and actually offers to, you know, give her something to do, which is a really generous thing. Um, generous uh, giving her something to do, and then also as we find out what he's having her, getting her help with. Mm-hmm. yeah i i love how the storyline almost feels at the beginning like you're like wait Locke, why like it's nice for you to spend some time with claire but like uh you know i love her initial thing like you want me to help with a project like i can barely <laughs> you know move mm-hmm. or whatever um and i love just the fact that there is this cool storyline between these two characters where we, there's not really any, you know, Locke doesn't like hint at, you know, oh man, I, uh, <laughs> I'm really glad to be standing on my feet here. You know, like he's not mm-hmm. hinting at like the fact that he was paralyzed or that there's any like deeper, you know, island mysteries going on or anything. It's just purely him seeing someone who he could do something for and spend some time with and they grow a little bit closer and he ends up giving her this blessing of, you know, a cradle for her baby, Um, which is just like such a cool thing for an episode to give some time to just the fact that these two characters haven't really interacted and then giving them space to, you know, grow closer and then we get to see a little bit more about both characters um Mm -hmm. through that time um Mm -hmm. i i love that i lost does such a good job of giving you these little stories uh in each episode um that are a whole world in their own and i feel like this one feels kind of simple you know these two characters just kind of talking and then by the end you realize what he's doing for her um and the significance of it but um i just i love that it's it's its own episode within an episode really yeah and as we're as you're talking here and you're pointing out yeah i think that might be why you know how this relates to hurley this is john locke just going and doing something nice for someone Mm -hmm. this is what hurley loves to do right this is what hurley is usually doing we see Locke doing it, and we see Locke um, kind of, Locke's kind of having a perspective on this, 
where he's he's seeing possibility. And I, I think this is a, a stark contrast to what Hurley and Rousseau are talking about, where the numbers are cursed. Um, in a weird, it, Locke is, is going to this pregnant woman. He's saying, I'm going to build her a cradle, and maybe something great will come out of this. Mm. Because he's being intentional. He's asking her about her memory. He's uh, saying, I can help you with that, too. I can. I'm good at putting bits and pieces together, as he says. <laughs> um, and I think the coolest part of it is when she reveals that it's her birthday. Mm. I, you know, Locke. Locke responds to that kind of like, "Oh, why? Why haven't you told anyone?" And I think inside he's going, "Oh my gosh," because I think he was moved by an impulse. Like, you know, Locke has this impulse, has this connection with the island, right? And he knows when it's going to rain. I do wonder if something within him pushed him toward Claire to connect. Mm. Um, You know, it's almost like you equate it sort of from a Christian perspective, like the Holy Spirit prompting you to do something. This is Locke's version of that. This is the island pushing Locke to help Claire. And it's, it's her birthday. And Locke, Locke, it's like Locke's faith being rewarded. Hmm. He's like, "Oh my gosh, I just made a crib for her on her birthday. This is this is um, this is too perfect." And it's kind of reaffirming his faith in sort of there. There is a goodness in the island, even though you know it's kind of tainted, as we've talked about, by the monster and different things. He's like, "No, it's her birthday. Happy birthday, Claire. Here's a crib," um, and. As Claire, you know, he says, it's good luck that you were born near your baby. And she says, do you believe in luck? And he says, I believe in a lot of things. <laughs> I think that's the virtue of Locke. It's also his, it, it, the brilliance of Lost is it's both his his virtue and it's his, kind of his vice, his downfall. Because he believes, he believes in a lot of things, which can lead him down some tough roads because Locke doesn't fully understand what he believes, but he also does believe. Mm. And I think that's the beauty of it. Cause Locke, you know, in believing, instead of thinking of yourself as just fated to be cursed, Locke thinks of himself as, you know, there's beauty in this Island. I've looked into it. There's, there's something good here. And that leads him to a more optimistic perspective and saying, I'm going to build this pregnant woman, a Claire, uh, a crib, Mm-hmm. And uh, it just happens to be a birthday. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I love the kind of juxtaposition of the two stories ending where they do, you know, of, of one kind of in this tragic way of two people, you know, kind of uh, talking past each other. And then in the other circumstance um, with Claire and Locke, they've grown closer together instead Mm -hmm. both you know by the circumstances kind of of the island and and whatever is happening there and you know they have differing perspectives on what they believe is happening on this island um yeah it's just kind of an interesting hadn't thought about the those two stories kind of next to each other in that way um but they have kind of almost opposite endings in in Mm -hmm. an interesting way there yeah so i do think yeah as we were talking about there's significance to it and i think it's the 
the writers sort of juxtaposing it to show us that, you know, you can believe there's a reason for something and you can believe it's a curse or you can believe it's a blessing. Um, and the, the latter is a lot more uh, joyful. <laughs> well, unless you, if anything else, uh, hope we haven't um, gone over anything. Um, well, I guess we should mention that uh, the ending of this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, that uh, old uh, hatch, just random cut. Wait, why are we looking at the hatch suddenly? Oh my gosh, they're on the hatch! <laughs> what? Oh hmm. man. I wonder if we're going to learn anything about that uh location next episode or uh yeah it, it, it's not you know it's not lost without the what ending and yeah i think we're gonna be uh learning a little more or gonna be involved a little more with that hatch it's been a little while since we talked about what uh boone and Locke have been doing out there um and i just can't wait to talk about it because next episode deus ex machina I've thought about I've thought of it before as possibly my favorite episode of Lost. I'm not sure, mm. but it's up there. Um, might be the best of season one in my opinion, but uh, it'll be a lot of fun to talk about that one. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of episodes that I always associate with season one, that's definitely. I feel like that's one of the first ones I think of. That one and Walkabout, I feel like, are the top top two of season one that I always think about. And Pilot, I guess. But um, yeah. So. So that'll be fun. Those John Locke episodes, they're the best. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get get into a little more Locke. Well, bud, thanks as always for uh, talking Lost. It's been a lot of fun to dive into good old Hurley. Yep, yep. Always always happy to do it. Yep. And until, uh, until next time, I suppose we will see you in another episode, brothers.